And then he says, and I quote, I'm going to rip the eyes out of your head and piss in your skull. We're curating an interconnected collection of craps and classics spanning the history of cinema. Each week's film is connected to the last by a single cast member, and so it continues forever, or until we can't be asked anymore. This week's film is... A Few Good Men. How's it going, George? Yeah, all good, mate. All good. How are you? Very good, thank you. Yeah, back for episode three. Yeah, episode three. It's um, it's going quick, isn't it? Like I say, it's flown by already. You know what I mean? Third episode, third film. Amazing, yeah. It's uh, going really well. And uh, even if uh, it goes down the swanee after three episodes, <laughs> at least we've made our trilogy and we've put a stamp on the That's it. podcast and film world. Absolutely, yeah. It will never be the same again. No, exactly. <laughs> So yeah, had some great feedback again uh, this week, which is great. So thank you for everybody that's got in contact to say they're enjoying it or hating it, whichever way, at least you're engaging with us. It's fine. A <laughs> um, bit of feedback we had this week uh, off the back of the last film, Mars Attacks, was um, unfortunately about two days after our podcast came out, it was actually um, taken off Netflix, yes. um, which I, I know a lot of people were gutted about. Um, a lot of people probably listened to the podcast and thought, oh, you know, I'll have a little listen or possibly um, thought... What I'll do is I'll watch Mars Attacks before I listen to the podcast. And um, yeah, it wasn't there. Well, this is why you should listen to what we tell you. <laughs> you should be watching the film before the podcast because there are spoilers in this podcast. If you want to watch the film, watch it beforehand, then listen to the podcast. Very good advice. Absolutely. But yeah. also we had no idea that was going to happen. So no. uh, sorry about that. I don't think there's an easy way to tell like what's going to be coming off Netflix. Um, I, I've From what I've had a little search on the internet, and it seems like once the film's gone, it tells you when it was added and when it was taken away but I don't think it gives like definitive answers of when things mm. are coming off so I think people like you say watch the movie yeah. <laughs> this is the podcast <laughs> it'll be all good but yeah it's, I think it's widely available on other platforms uh, to yeah. purchase so if you care that much obviously you can do um, and if not I think I've got an old VHS if you want to borrow anybody uh, just send, send me a stamp addressed envelope and I'll uh, forward it on to you I love it old, yeah. old school yeah it's pretty cool um, so, so yeah you seen anything uh, good this week George? Yes, I have actually. So this week, um, I, I rewatched uh, Mad Max, the first one, the original one, um, just because, uh, like I said, it came up on Sky and I thought, oh, that'll be a good watch this week. So yeah, amazing movie. Um, love it. Uh, absolutely crazy. Um, also, went back to the cinema again. Um, we um, went to see The Dark Knight, didn't we? Which was amazing. Incredible, yes. Incredible. And like, it's been a long time since we've seen that in the cinema. Was it 2008 that 2008, came out? 2008, yeah. So, yeah, a very long time since I saw it on the big screen. Yeah. Um, and then on the on the Thursday, I actually went um, on my own to watch um, The Dark Knight Rises, which was awesome. Yeah, um, good. I missed that. Yeah, it, it, it was brilliant. Like again, like what was that? Maybe 2012 that came out, just off the top of my head. Yeah, 2012. something like that. And um, yeah, watching it again in the cinema, amazing. I mean, it's a long movie, but the, the, I think the mark of a good film is when you watch something and um, you know you don't realise you've been in there for like two and a half hours. You know, so it flew by, absolutely amazing. Um, one thing I did realise about watching those two films back is that. For me, they really are both about the villains. Like, I just absolutely... All I want mm. from those movies is just to see more of Bane and more of the Joker. Um, and it sounds bad, but the less I see a Batman, <laughs> the better, you know? Yeah. Um, I love Christian Bale, but in that in those movies, it's all about the villains, you yeah. know? They're so good. That's the kind of way I feel. I feel like we've talked about this uh, three weeks in a row now about that Nolan Batman trilogy. But let's 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 make this the last episode. But um, yeah, Batman Begins is a Batman film, 
and then it's a Joker film. And even though the Joker's in it, not as much as you actually realize when I watched it, the Joker doesn't get that much screen time, uh, but he's just so impactful in it. Um, he just dominates the film. And I think it's the same with Bane. And I, I think a lot of people wrongly give uh, The Dark Knight Rises a bit of bit of beef. And I, I think there are massive plot holes and, and it's not a perfect film by any stretch of the imagination. But I think it's it's equal to Dark, Dark Knight. Mm. Um, and, and Tom Hardy as Bane is, is great. He's, oh, he's so good. He is amazing. I love his voice, and that bloke beefed up massively for this role. He's yeah. so big in the film, you know. The when voice he... is so oh. so uh, you can't pin it to anything, but it's no. it's just yeah. When you hear some something so alien, it's it, yeah, it's very strange. Yeah. Oh, you think darkness is all a lie? That is spot on, mate. That is very, very good. But it, it just that whole Bane thing. When that film came out, I remember like kids fancy dress all dressing up in Bane, and like I went to mm. the local festival, Bournemouth Sevens, and people were dressed up as Bane. Like that was everywhere, you know. Like people were dressed up as Bane, left, right, and center. People are still wearing Corona Bane masks. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, that would be so cool. Actually, having yeah. a Corona Bane. Yeah, I saw mask, some. I saw some saying the other day. Yeah, I need that. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's a good week. Um. Watch some good stuff. Um. Just one more point. Sorry on that. Is um. Is it's just about going to the cinema. Um. Alone, basically. I think that I know it's something that you do. It's something that I do, and it's something that if I ask a lot of people, a lot of people would say I would never go to the cinema on my own. But actually, it's such a good experience going on your own. Like it gives you like a good bit of time to like chill out. You know, with um. Obviously, everyone's lives these days are really really busy, and um. You know, we're always interacting with people, and going to the cinema on your own is a good opportunity just to have some time for yourself and um you know to chill out and just enjoy your own company i've never understood people's objection to it you're sat in a dark room uh, where you're supposed to be silent watching a film it's not a social occasion so what why are people so determined to go with somebody like I, you know me and you go together yeah. quite quite often but if no one no one particularly wants to go and see a, a particular film or aren't available i'm happy to go on my own sit there watch the film and uh yeah it's it's I, I like the communal feeling there's people around you watching it and experience it at the same time as you but you don't need somebody sat next to you talking and well whatever to, it's it's not about the social side of thing it's about watching a great film in a great environment so yeah a bit strange i think when people say i would never go on my own yeah absolutely i think if anyone ever wants to see a film and they've got no one to go with just go yeah. you'd be amazed at how easy it is to go to the cinema on your own and um yeah going with someone isn't a barrier you know and you won't be the only weirdo sat up sat there on your own it's <laughs> there have been a few experiences i think i've yeah. told you about this george you need to um, tell the listeners about your experience of um when you went to the cinema that yeah. time this is good so it was, it was, it was the uh cinema world near us and um i went to a late screening i think it started about half eight uh, sorry half nine ten and uh, I can't remember what film it was, unfortunately. I think, ah, yes, I do. It was the new Hellboy. Uh, so, yeah, I went to see Hellboy, and uh, which wasn't great, by the way. There's some nice moments in it, but it wasn't great. Uh, sat in this tiny studio, which probably has about 30-odd seats, something like that. And uh, I was the only one in there, right through the trailers and everything. And then a couple came in and sat a few rows back. And I was like, oh, yeah, cool. Nice and spacious. Just watch the film. No noise. No noisy eating or anything like that. And then... Uh, just before the film started, a man walked in, walked down the aisle and sat right next to me. Out of all the seats in the cinema, sat right next to me and then started chatting to me. Oh, unbelievable. Like, so there must be like 200 spare seats. Yeah. And he sat next to you. Yeah, he sat next to me and he started chatting to me. And I was like, oh, he's, he's I felt bad because he's obviously quite lonely. Uh, so I had a little conversation with him, but... At a point in the film where I thought I could get away with it, I decided to take a so uh, toilet break. And then when I come back, I sat in a different row. Oh, no. <laughs> that had to be done. Yeah, Fair yeah. play. Like, was, you, um... it's just, I've come there for a bit of downtime, you know? Yeah. I don't want to be 
making you know awkward conversation with somebody I don't know. Definitely, that's not. that's strange. So yeah, you might experience that every now and then if you sat on your own. But I suspect if I was there with someone else, he still would have come and sat next to me and made the awkward conversation. Yeah, you know the type. Be weird. <laughs> What about you then, mate? Have you um, watched anything good this week, apart from The Dark Knight? Anything else that was, um, you know, floating your boat? I'm still on the TV series at the moment, but I, yeah, I was going to mention The Dark Knight, and that was my first experience uh, back to cinema. So, uh, yeah, it's a nice experience. I thought it wasn't as as uh, strict as I thought it was going to be, which is good in some ways, but in others, it's a bit disconcerting because I thought we had to wear masks in the cinema. And did you have to before when you went You went to the Odeon at some point, didn't yeah, you? Yeah. So, um, no, every time I've been now since lockdown, which is probably like four or five times, haven't had to wear masks. Um, I think the rule now is when you go in, you need to wear a mask, get in like your popcorn or your drink and like sort of in the lobby and things. But then yeah. once, you, once you actually go to sit down in the film, I think you can take your mask off and then that's all good. Um, yeah, so what did you think then, going back after lockdown? you were Yeah, it was, re- it was really good. Uh, obviously, we went to see a film that had been out for a very long time, so it wasn't packed, and I, I still think there's people a bit concerned about going to the cinema mm-hmm. and things like that, but uh, again, there was only a handful of people in there, wasn't there? It was probably about t- eight or ten of us yeah. in, in total. Um, but yeah, it was a nice, easy experience. There was plenty of... Uh, plenty of hand sanitizer in the lobby <laughs> which is important but the film was just great wasn't it it yeah. was it was great to see it back on the screen um really enjoyed it uh yeah i still love that film i, I, yeah. I love it great movie well maybe like i say we'll come onto it at some point you know if we yeah. can get the link and um we'll talk about it yet again because it's come up three yeah. three weeks in a row but yeah enough of the nolan trilogy now let's <laughs> let's, 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 let's crack on with something else so this week's film i just wanted to mention also um we had a little look at some stats earlier, and so thanks very much for listening. We've got people from all around the globe listening. Um, we've actually got some listeners from Canada now. Um, I actually got a message in the week from a Canadian friend who mentioned um, we didn't. We were basically talking about Ukrainians and Welsh people last week, and we didn't mention Canadians, but that was purely because it wasn't on the stats. But this week, the Canadians are showing on the stats, so thanks for listening well, in Canada. Actually, it's because there's too many countries listening, and we couldn't list them all. We haven't got that no time. absolutely so um like i say there's hundreds more i could mention now but we'll stick with ca- yeah. canadians today. Right. <laughs> so different country each week uh this week's uh, this week's country is canada so everybody in canada thank you for watching thank you and thank you for bringing our stats up yeah um so so yeah we've got yeah we've got i mean that's all of the countries now i think we've mentioned yeah, I yeah. think that's all of them. I so if there's you, any other, mm. if, if you can spread anyone out there who's listening to that, if you can spread this uh, f- far and wide, so if you've got uh, pe- people in countries all over the world that might be interested, let them know. So just get our stats up a bit, and that'll be that'll be lovely. Boom! Thank you. <laughs> Anything else before we cr- crack on, mate? Um, no, I think that's it. I think we're ready to go into a few good men. Let's go. That sounds a bit dodgy, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> Shall I buzz them in? <laughs> yeah, right. Here we go. No, so a few good men. Um, I think I mentioned last week, um, I hadn't seen this film. Um, the only thing I knew about this film going into it uh, was the catchphrase that you mentioned. Mm. Uh, in fact, you can do a good impression of that catchphrase. Oh, do I have to? Yeah, I think the listeners would love that. I can't that. remember. The, how does so it go? Good. So um, the first line, I believe, is, um, is it, I want the truth? So how's it go? You be Tom Cruise, I'll yep. be Jack Nicholson. Yeah. You want answers? Oh, sorry, what do I say again? <laughs> sorry, sorry. No, oh, no, that's it. Right, one more time, right. I, yeah, I think I'm entitled to. Yeah. Right, and then okay. the second one is? Uh, I want the truth. I, right. Yeah. You want answers? I think I'm entitled to. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. 
Did I get my line wrong? No, it's close enough, mate. <laughs> close yeah. enough. Amazing. You made the role your own. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I put my own spin on it. My exactly. George Hallett spin yeah, on did. it. Yeah. Excellent. Exactly. You're, you're a true actor. You don't, <laughs> just, you're not a mimic. <laughs> um, so that was basically the only thing I knew about this film. So I went in fresh. Just that quote. Just that quote. I didn't know anything about it. And then wow. when you said to me that it was a, it was a, a military uh, courtroom drama. Sounds um, boring that way, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's not the sort of thing I would usually watch. Um, but that's not to say I didn't really, really enjoy this film because the first thing I'd say is I did really like this film. It is good. a good, it was a good pick, and um, yeah, I really, really liked it. And what about you? Yeah, I, I, I have seen it before uh, several times, but again, uh, like with the last few films, not for a very long time. Mm. Um, so yeah, and I wasn't looking at it uh, from like a kind of review angle. I wasn't looking to analyze it. It was no. just a sit down and watch and. You know what it's like, maybe on in the background a few times in, in my past, because it was always on TV at one point. It was constantly on TV. Um, so, yeah, I've seen it a few times. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's, it's aged well, I think. Um, but to, to kick off, um, do you want to give one of George's now famous synopsis? Yeah, I think that'd be good. Um, so um, if I do my synopsis, and then you can give us the, yeah. um, the, the actual one. Um, so um, this film um, is about... Um, it's about the Guantanamo Bay uh, military base. There's um, there's a general there, and um, he orders um, he orders his men to um, basically beat up, rough up one of the underperforming recruits. Spoilers, um, by the he, way. Spoilers. Spo- spo- yeah, spoilers. big time. Like I say, spoilers. Um, anyway, so they rough this guy up. Um, unfortunately, dies, and um, then there's a, a, an investigation and a court case into these two troops who um, who beat this guy up. And they were ordered to beat this guy up. Um, and this guy died, which was like, you know, a consequence they couldn't foresee. So should they be, um, you know, done for murder and should they get in trouble? Or should it be the the higher, the superiors, you know, who get in trouble? Um, and that's really sort of like the core of the film. Um, and there's a team of uh, of lawyers and solicitors, which is Tom Cruise and Demi Moore. And, um, and the third gentleman, which I, I forget his name. It's um, Kevin Pollock. Kevin Pollock. Yeah. So those three, um, they sit about trying to build a case and, um, and it sort of goes from there. So... That's great. Do you know what I really like about your synopsis is you make Tom Cruise and Demi Moore sound like they're just a side side hustle <laughs> on the, on this film. They're, it's actually they're, they just make a cameo in it, which is great. <laughs> they appear. Yeah. Um, so I'll give you uh, one that I got from Empire. Actually, yep. this one I, I mix it up each week, so it's not just from one uh, one source. So this one is idealistic Navy lawyer Daniel Caffey is assigned to defend two Marines accused of murder. It seems like a clear-cut case, but as Caffey probes deeper, he uncovers murky goings-on at the soldiers' army base. So, yeah, that doesn't go into the the details that you went into, uh, strangely. It's, it comes from a different angle. But, yeah, that's kind of what it is, isn't it? It's just an investigation into a goings-on, which you actually see is the first thing you see in the film, I believe. Yeah. So, I mean, the... Um that's quite an interesting part is that the guy who's murdered you find out sort of bits and bobs about his army career and about um you know why this guy was was asked why they asked the troops to rough him up but they don't go into much detail about his past they don't go into much detail about like how he was performing in the military you just hear sort of tidbits um mm. th- th- you're right it's the film starts with this guy dying you know mm. um so it's quite a fast-paced start you know it's one of those sort of starts where um you know you're watching you're thinking i missed something it's it's, it's it's all going quite fast you know and mm. i think obviously that was deliberate to sort of get you sort of sucked in straight away um so yeah so that's um like i said that's the beginning of it yeah. the guy getting killed 
like I said, I, I, I like this film, but if I was to change one thing, and I'm not, I'm not a director, I, I, I hate to criticise in that way, but if I was to change one thing, I would have removed that bit at the start of the film mm. where you see what, go, what goes on. And I think if this film was made today, they probably would, because the rest of the film, if you disregard that part, is we learn everything as the main characters and the protagonists and the antagonists learn it. So you go along the court case as if, oh, you're just accessing this information. Mm. But from the very get-go, you know something has happened there and you see the brutality. And I think that's probably why they put it in the film, so you get to know, like, oh, it was it was quite a brutal yeah. end to somebody's life and it, it was proper bully boy tactics. And, but that and would have been a good it. spin, actually, because then if they hadn't put that in the start of the film, you could have always been like on the jury just watching the case and you could have been making your own decision as yeah. the as the film was going on. You're right, it was sort of spelt out almost at the start, like this is what happened. Mm. Um there's no question about it. But yeah, that would have been a good spin, you know, maybe take that out and like, you know, the viewer could have been sort of almost part of the jury. Yeah. You know? It's a bit of a weird balancing act though, because then uh you wouldn't have the uh, the anger at some of the points at how this guy lost his life. You would you wouldn't yeah. necessarily maybe it would be maybe you would have in the back of the mind, oh maybe it didn't happen this way and it was his fault or whatever. But yeah. I think the way they've done it, and it's very well written by the way, I think we'll get into that later, but um the way they've kind of fed the bits of information about the the unfortunate uh, soldier's uh, demise um you learn more about him and the soldiers around him and the the more senior uh, military personnel um and how they act and and yeah i think it's very clever the way they do it i just when i first saw that it felt to me um a bit like i could have done without it um, yeah I know what just you mean. personal preference yeah absolutely yeah like i say could have been a different film you know without that part um just something um, to mention on the start um this film has a great um opening credits scene where the the troops are flipping their guns um yeah. you've got to sort of see it to understand like what it is but it's really really cool i could have watched that all day they're, they're basically it's a line of say 100 soldiers and they're flinging their rifles at the, in the same motion um each a split second apart and it just looks so cool it, it's, on film doesn't it it's cheerleading with guns yeah it's a yeah. bit i know it's yeah. as cool as like yeah. that size it's amazing that <laughs> bit so i i really really enjoyed that bit That's yeah cool. it's a very clever way of doing it because this was back um, in the days when I don't know when this stopped, really, it must have been the mid two thousands or something. When uh, in the intro to the film there were long credits, mm. you don't get that anymore. You don't now. It sort of goes sort of straight in. Straight you might in. just see like director, producer, bang. You, you know, get a something. cold open, yeah. and sometimes you'll have a short uh, title sequence, but you don't get all the credits. No. So you used to get all the credits beforehand, all the cast and everything uh, coming up, and you used to wait five minutes before actually getting into the movie. Nowadays, we haven't got the time to think about <laughs> who's bothered making this. We don't care. Just show us the film, That's and if it. we can be bothered to find out afterwards, we'll wait after we'll, for the post credit scene exactly yeah. <laughs> well an interesting tidbit on that i believe like one of the first films to um to completely do away with credits at the start was star wars because george lucas wanted to open with that that a long time ago in a galaxy far away and then bang straight in with the, the yellow writing and apparently um in in certain countries you know there was rules against that and he had to sort of fight to say no i don't want anything coming up about director and producer and star and it just wants to you know start i take it they're like union rules for the the, the people in the industry that they yeah. need their credits front loaded in That's order to get the names out there yeah because as soon as the film's over people walk out that's it you know so i, I guess sort of you know and um rules are probably stricter back in the 70s about that but no you're right there's um like i say quite a long opening in this film and um yeah it was enjoyable you know seeing all these guns sort of flinging around yeah you're right that was a cool way of starting it and yeah. it made you it placed the film perfectly this is military this is america yeah this is this yeah. is for king well not king and country for president and country this yeah. is like yeah proper a uh, military film you know exactly yeah and i, I think um that places it well and then 
the the immediate thing that I noticed following that was the dialogue, which I've mentioned earlier, which is absolutely amazing. Yeah, this film is really, really well written. Yeah. Um, every single character um, feels like really real. Um, like with this film, Tom Cruise, for example, um, I really didn't like him in this film. That's not to say he wasn't a great actor in this film and his dialogue was brilliant, um, but he was just so like cocky and um, his part was written so well because like he came across as that that cocky youngster who 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 sort of like doesn't have to follow by the rules but will always get the right result, you know? Um, so yeah, the, the writing with this was really, really good. He's a horrible person. Yeah. He's a horrible person and really annoying as well. There's small things he did to make himself annoying as well. I think he really, that's what he did really well Yeah, is made himself annoying. There's things like the way he ate an apple and the way he ate a donut was just really obnoxious do you know what i mean yes uh, absolutely the way he was like the way that um the uh the demi moore character came and spoke to him to all to start the film and he's playing softball you know um you know an upstanding gentleman would have sort of put his back down and said oh you know how can i help you and chatted away yeah. but no he, he won't get away from his softball and he's still smashing balls while she's chatting do you know what i mean he's almost like ignoring her yeah um and like I say, it's I find it very easy to not like Tom Cruise in this film. Um, but I think that was the point because as this film goes on, um, he grows a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, as a, as a person, and um, you know, he he goes from being someone who's quite easy to dislike to at the end of the film, you think actually he's done a really good job today. You know, he, um, he he's he feels like a salesman in the first half an hour, half an hour to an hour, where he effectively what he's trying to do is stop his clients going to court, and he wants to settle, and so he's he's very good at selling uh, ideas or selling negotiations, selling uh, an agreement to stop that going to court. So he's famous, not famous, but he's well known in in the military circles for kind of getting ahead of things and stopping it going to court and stop yeah. stop putting it in front of a judge and jury. Yeah, if you yeah, if you want a deal, you get the Tom exactly. Cruise. So he's a salesman negotiating a deal, get it done. So I think that's how he's acting. He's acting like a cocky salesman um uh who's yeah, misogynistic, egotistical, he's all those things. Yeah. And I think Demi Moore comes across uh like as our uh, the kind of viewer's experience of him, so she kind of shows us that awful side of him, but also awful side of other people in in the military as well. Like at some point, she she goes in to be spoken about being part of this case, and she wants to lead it, uh, thinking she's got the most experience. And they're a bit condescending to her. And at one point, one of the guys says, um, "I'd like you to leave the room now, so we can talk about you behind your back." Yeah, <laughs> and, he which, says it bluntly, uh, doesn't he? Yeah, I love the honesty, but the condescension there, and and yeah. she just she just bites her lip and, and walks out. But yeah. all the way through this, there's just sexism throughout the yeah. throughout the military. Um, there's a bit where um, where uh, some people walk into our office and they say, "Oh, we need to speak to um, Lieutenant Galloway." Um, not expecting that to be her, you know? Could you get her, please? They think she's almost a receptionist, don't they? Exactly. And um, I. I mean, I, I, this probably mirrors what it was like for women in the, you know, the US. Well, actually, in just military in general around the world, you know, I imagine this is like a, a lot of women probably watch this film uh, can recognize a lot of this, you know, in sort of everyday life. Um, so, yeah, she was getting um, downtrodden sort of like, you know, all over the shop, wasn't she? I hope it's moved on since then, but uh, something tells me there's probably still a little bit of that going around. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
like I say, I'd be I'd be amazed if, it, if that didn't sort of go on still to this day. You know, the army sort of the culture and things. Um, also, I thought that um Tom Cruise's mate, so the Kevin Pollock character, um, he sort of mirrored him quite well because he made Tom Cruise seem even more cocky and even more um obnoxious, didn't yeah. he? Because he was such a calm guy, this Kevin Pollock, you know. And I think Weinberg. both of them, yeah, it was very like I say, um, they were good together. You know, they sort of balanced each other well. Mm. Um, and like I say, so Demi Moore, Tom Cruise, and this Kevin Pollock character, um, you know they sort of become a team and like it's, it's up to them to sort of know uh, to um, get this case together and um like I say, three quite different characters. You know, you got the you got the, you got the female who's you know who's probably faced a lot of sexism all through her army career. You have got the really really cocky upstart character of Tom Cruise, and then you have got the calm, um, knowledgeable figure Kevin Pollock. And like all three, I thought went really well together. Yeah, and I liked the when it when the film Chris is jumping ahead slightly, uh, but I like uh, when the film progresses. Uh, they they start working together better. Um, and then you kind of get a rocky sports montage of them working together. This is what I was going to mention, actually. I think this film is basically a sports movie put in a courtroom. <laughs> Love it. So there's a lot of tra there's a training sequences. There's a setback where they lose a game. Yeah. Uh, there's a massive training sequence where I, I just wanted a song to be playing. Hearts on fire. <laughs> and, then, and then Tom Cruise just writing on a bit of paper or something. Uh, but all that the kind of that montage was amazing for me. And, and that's what I thought. I thought this is basically a rocky rocky film in, in the courtroom yeah um, excellent analogy i yeah, love that I, I really i really enjoyed it once i thought thought of that and then you you see the the knockout punch at the end which is the famous famous quote that we've already yeah. been through that's the knockout punch and then that's the end of the film there's a slight celebration and then roll credits hearts on fire playing again because <laughs> with this movie um i i think that they they balance the like the courtroom stuff which can be sort of quite heavy and quite like quite full of jargon with the the more laid back sort of in their um apartments just sort of like with a baseball bat they're they're, they're, they're knocking a few balls around they're throwing a bit a few papers around and they're sort of like they're having a bit of a laugh a bit of a joke they're getting chinese food and they're building the case and i think that you know, if it had been all courtroom, all jargony, you know, obviously that would probably lose the the the, the watcher's interest. But I thought like it had its moments of like you know humor and more laid back parts of it, you know, in the flat, and then obviously the more serious stuff in the court. And I think that went well. Yeah. Do, do you know much about Aaron Sorkin, the writer? No, um, I did a little bit of research off the back of this, and um, no, his name came up a lot. Obviously, the writer of the movie. Um, I think he's been involved in some other things. And um, no, I don't know. Yeah, much about it, him. he's pretty pretty famous uh, screenwriter. So they do uh, the Social Network, I believe. Yes. I think, yeah. There's, there's a few things he's, he's really known for, but um, the, the way this came about is I think he uh, that he wrote the stage play first. Uh, so this started off as a stage play um, and then uh, he adapted it as a screenplay and he's become very well known for, for example, The West Wing. So he did, I think he wrote, I don't know if he wrote all of them, but uh, uh, definitely he wrote the first two or three seasons right. and he got renowned for his... Uh, what they call machine gun dialogue, which is just fire, fire at each other um, and walk and talking. Um, so th there'll be people walking down corridors, endless corridors, just chatting through plot and, Love and that. saying, this is this, they, you know, chatting back and forth to each other. And they, and you could see that th there's very West Wing moments in this uh, where there'd be people walking down the corridor and chatting, um, eating, walking down the corridor and chatting. There's just different variants playing softball and chatting. And, yeah. and um, although that sounds, oh, well, what, isn't that most movies? It's very very Aaron Sorkin, the I way see. it's done. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so you can see like seeds of the West Wing in this and you can see seeds of his later films in, in, in it as well. But I, yeah, I just found it fascinating once you know that's who wrote it. Um, just the machine gun dialogue is, is crazy to see yeah. how much one they, they had to learn going back and forth. As you say, there is... 
there is jargon in it, um, whether it be military jargon or courtroom jargon, there's a lot of that in there. Um, but it never feels like we don't know what they're talking about. No, I felt like um, this film easily could have gone into like the realm of, um, of becoming confusing and, and, and me not understanding it, you know, or viewers not understanding it. But it, all the whole time, um, I felt like I um, had a good grasp of the story and what was going on in the court. Um, and so I think it had the perfect mix between being realistic and, you know, including these the, these these words and these processes and things, but also being accessible for people to watch it. And um, you don't have to be a military expert or anything to sort of understand, you know, what was going on. Um, so that was really, really good. And I think the film, from what I read about after, it came about from, um, it was based on a true story or a true incident that happened. I believe mm. the writer, um, this, is it Aaron Sorkin? Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Um, his, I think his sister um, told him a tale of something that happened um you know, at some military base, and he sort of went with that and ran with it. And, um, you know, I, I mean, I imagine this sort of situation has happened, like, quite a lot. How should the military deal with a Marine or a soldier or whatever who's not quite performing the way they want? Mm. Um, the Jack Nicholson character, you know, he would say the only way to deal with someone like that is really, really tough love. Well, not love, just tough action, you know, uh, roughing them up, beating them up, etc. Whereas, you know, your Demi Moores and, and, and your Tom Cruise characters would say, oh, no, that's completely unacceptable. I'm glad you said that because I thought there's some points in... Um, Jack Nicholson's famous soliloquy at the end, that long speech that he gives about being on the wall. I'm on that wall. Um, you know, if it's not me, who who's yeah. going to do it? I'm you? having my breakfast from yeah. 20 yards away. There's people ready to shoot me and stuff. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Who else is going to do it? You? Yeah. You, Lieutenant Weinberg? Yeah. Uh, which I'll get into later because I think there's a bit of anti-Semitism in there. But that bit, it just points out, one, how arrogant he is, mm. um, you know, and how he thinks he's just going to get away with literal murder or at least you know, manslaughter. Um, but I think it also, in that speech, there's a few points that actually ring true. So Yeah. It's very easy to like not like the Jack Nicholson character and just to say what he did was completely wrong. He's ordered them to beat someone up and the person has died. But I can see like I can see that his like logic um in that setting, you know, he is protecting the country and his men are protecting the country and they need the best of the best. And sometimes the only way, well, according to him, you know, sometimes the only way to to get the best out of someone is to give them that that tough love, you know, to, yeah. to not take no for an answer, to not send them home. As with all bad guys, it's better if you understand where they're coming from. Yeah. And you can, you can get an actual grip of as to this is a real person. This isn't just an evil person. Yeah. Jack Nicholson thinks he's doing the right thing for his military and for his country and for his god um and what is it unit court god country was their order that was the order yeah yeah so which is a weird order so their unit understand that yeah yeah court oh god is is actually behind core and uh, unit and country after god that's interesting so is the that, order goes unit core core God, God, country, country. So God comes third on the list. Yeah. Like, oh, absolutely mental. But that, I think those that phrase, those four words, that sort of sums up, you know, like um, his stance on the whole thing. You know, it's all about you being the best soldier you can be, and your unit being the best unit it can be, and your core being the best it can be, in order to protect the country, you know, in the best way possible. And, and this is all honestly held beliefs um, in that core, and they all, they all feel it so strongly and feel it's part of what they do. Yeah, what's brilliant in this film is when Tom Cruise hands over a handbook and says, tell me where in that, that it says this is the way it should be. Yeah, and he proper ties them in knots. That yeah, is brilliant. That, I absolutely loved it. That's just it, because that just shows this is just a deeply ingrained, institutionalized 
belief mm. that this is the way it should be, but actually it's not written down anywhere. No. Um, so it's like a, it's an unsaid code. Yeah, so everyone and- knows what they're supposed to do and how they're supposed to do it, and you're not supposed to break these rules. But those aren't technically rules within the handbook. Yeah, and you can tell it's the sort of thing that's been passed down from from general to general, you know, all the way down. And I'm sure that um, Jack Nicholson's, you know, when he was a young recruit, it was exactly the same. And he's learned that and he's passing that on to, you know, his his um, his unit now, you know, and his core, etc. Um, but the, obviously the world's moved on, you know, and it, it can't be like that now. And um, yeah, I think that, that that whole, basically, that whole part of the military, I thought that this film like shone a light on that. And it was really, really interesting. Um, and I think that's why I enjoyed this film because the, the subject matter was interesting, you know. It's not a black and white situation, this, you know. It's not easy just to say, oh, Jack Nicholson's completely evil or the men that did this um, deserve to be done for murder because obviously they had orders and things. So it's... Um, it's very grey and yes. I thought that's the most interesting thing you know it's, Agree. it was really really interesting and it could be easily seen that he is just an evil character and all those people involved are evil characters but all of them thought they were doing the right thing for their country and for, you know, for their core yeah so yeah it, it's it's a great way of of making it a bit more complicated than these are the baddies and we're going to put them away yeah uh, which I found great but while we're on Jack Nicholson can we just talk about him as oh. as, as a whole he is just great isn't yeah he? I mean in this film um, I think I'm right he's probably only got three scenes that I can sort of yeah. think of just off the top of my head you know he's in the start of the film you meet him Um, he, he I think he says about Tom Cruise wearing some white faggoty uniform or something uh, yeah, I, I need to talk about that scene in the yeah. whole but i think the first scene right is when he's in an office isn't he with a couple of his colleagues That's it. and this is where there's the they're, they're talking about whether to send this uh this murder sorry the the the, the soldier who was who's going to be murdered yeah. should they send him home yeah um and absolutely that's like the sort of like the core of it you know he he doesn't he says no doesn't he, he says no yeah. not sending him home it's not happening and he kind of uh, another Jack Nicholson film, which uh, The Shining, which we've quoted before. He suggests this uh, guy should be corrected. Oh yeah, amazing. We like that, don't <laughs> yeah, we? <laughs> yeah. uh, so he, he kind of suggests that he should be corrected. And yeah, that introduction straight away, you know who that character is, don't you? He's yeah. and he speaks to um, uh, somebody who he actually served with, and says to him, "I know you might resent me slightly because I I flew through the ranks, um, but I don't fucking care." Yeah, and I loved that, and I was like, "Yes, that's that's that character." Yeah, but that next scene which you've alluded to already when he's sat just sort of having tea chilling with his cronies yeah like like a g he's just (laughs) sitting with waves lapping behind him yeah uh you know being served it does make look look, it does make it look so cool being um you know really high in the military like on guantanamo bay like you're just sitting there chilling having your tea served he's a cuban gangster he's scarface he's (laughs) he's he's sat there just being an absolute g and then these three turn up and he he looks at them like like prey that he's just going to eat him alive so he yeah. it doesn't phase him until slightly later in the conversation but- i think that tom cruise and demi moore um and, and and the kevin pollock character they represent like the modern world and i think he's looking at them and he's thinking I don't care what you have to say. I don't care you coming here with your your fresh white suit and your ideas about how this uh, troop might have died and things. He's basically just saying um, or thinking, um, whatever you're going to say, it ain't going to ring true with me, mate. Yeah, and he gets progressively he he's amiable at the start but he gets and i think it's demi moore starts this off but um he really takes disliking to her and is it at this point where he talks about uh effectively the only like sh- the only way she'd get further is by giving blowjobs and stuff like that or, <laughs> yeah and yet another sexist part like yeah, yeah and then and then it says yeah something about her, her being president in order to stop having given blowjobs or something like that yeah it's something about uh, you know you, you 
unless you're the highest you could ever be, yeah. you're always going to have to be, yeah. you know, on your knees. Which is mental. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he also, it was at this point where he says, how's your daddy? And then he said, oh, my, my father passed away, such yeah, and such. Yeah, because Tom Cruise's dad was like some famous um, sort of lawyer as well, wasn't yeah. he? Who, um, you know. And then, Don't I feel like the fucking asshole? <laughs> All these people, they always have a famous sort of dad, don't they? Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, like, it's a classic sort of like trope, well, isn't it? Rob where... Reiner, the director, I, I don't know if you saw this, Rob Reiner, the director, has got a very famous dad, a, a comedy director and, and writer. Oh, um, wow. And he said that's why he took on this film is because he could um, kind of relate to the to the main Tom Cruise oh, character. the living up to your living father. Up to like, your father kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, so that's oh, why, cool. why he took it on. A little like, note on him. Um, I did a little bit of research on the director. And I think you said last week, this guy has done a good old range of films. And he mm. has, hasn't he? Like, he's proper like jumped around to different genres yeah. and things um, which is really cool and also um, I noticed he's been in a few films this guy um, oh yeah and um, as soon as I saw him I thought where do I recognise him from and he was in The Wolf of Wall Street he was, yeah, he was. his dad and he played a well yeah. funny character in yeah. that he was really good so I, I, what I noticed about this film and when you put it in context with the rest of Rob Reiner's film is unlike the last two directors we've seen if I watched a Rob Reiner film now I wouldn't necessarily know it was a Rob Reiner film. So you get you hear people saying, oh, this film's very Nolan-esque, or yeah. this film's very Burton-esque. Yeah. You don't hear Reiner-esque, no. do you? Because, and I think that's a good thing. I, I love the fact that Burton and, and, and Nolan have their own style. They are those kind of directors. But Rob Reiner seems to be able to put his hand to anything. Yeah. Like you see what he's done. His, his catalogue's just so varied, like you say. It's so different. And with those two directors you just mentioned, they often use um, exactly the same cast and you know the, the yeah. same actors always sort of appearing yeah. um, whereas this guy you know he's got a raft of different films different genres and different actors you know so yeah you're absolutely right someone who can turn their hand to anything and use different actors and you know and, and uh, do films with a different feel brilliant can I just say one thing that's uh, gonna this is this is emoted me this this part of the movie <laughs> so back to the the G back on the beach yeah. um, they're walking away and Tom Cruise says I'm gonna need those logs and Jack Nicholson basically goes on a little rant and says of course, yeah, of course you can have. You can have all the logs you want. You go away, but you're going to have to ask me nicely. Oh, yeah, that's it. And yeah. then that flips something in Tom Cruise, doesn't it? Because up till then, Tom Cruise is playing along and he's he's kind of, he's putty in, in Jack Nicholson's hand. Yeah. But he was, I think he was playing him a bit. And then at the end, uh, Tom Cruise's face just drops and he's like, okay, right, you've pissed me off now. You think that's the moment he yeah. thought, I'm going to go for you, that, mate? Yeah. So mm. he, he, that's when he, he, he dove in. And th then I think from then, obviously him and Demi Moore's character have a still aren't gelling. I think from then they were destined to be on the same route because they hate this guy with a passion. They yeah. hate everything he's about. He hates everything they're about. He's insulted him. He knew his dad had died. He was saying that to be an arsehole. Yeah. Um, and all of those things. Uh, kind of add up to Tom Cruise being right. I'm going to go after this guy. I'm going to nail yeah. his balls to the wall, which yeah. is great because uh, you don't hate that character, Jack Nicholson character because he's fascinating, but you want to see him get his comeuppance. Oh yeah, he he, Jimmy, he's got that face in this film where you just think, mate, I want that smug look taken off your face. His and, uh, face acting is the best oh, face acting of any. Jack Nicholson's face. I think I would love to see one day just a film of Jack Nicholson's face reacting to things. <laughs> that would be his so good. eyebrows, his mouth. I think his mouth acting is is better than anybody's. <laughs> and and it, there's a weird thing that he does when he gets angry. His 
his his kind of forehead tightens, <laughs> his hairline goes back, and his ears twitch. <laughs> and I was like, he he's in control of his face more than yeah. I've ever seen any actor. It sounds ridiculous, but he his eyes just go deeper with rage, yeah. and, his, and his mouth, and he, he kind of snarls like a dog. Like in that courtroom scene, his he, he bears his gums, and and it, yeah, he's just he just and apparently he just did that take after take yeah. after take. Even when he wasn't on camera, he was he was doing the over shots, and he he was just doing it take after take with the same delivery every time I, th- I think they were with that um they were filming him and they were filming the other actors to yeah. try and get some reactions, reactions off shots, the yeah. other yeah um they asked him to come on to another uh, rob reiner to ask him to come back for another day um and considering how much jack nicholson was it got five paid, million I yeah, he which got was paid massive for, for at the like time 10 days work yeah and and uh, apparently there's a few funny stories about that um but uh, rob reiner just basically said to him look i, I need to get some extra shots and I can't afford to pay you anymore. And Jack Nichols said, whatever you need, Rob, whatever you need. Because uh, <laughs> he just loves the, he loves the acting. And, yeah. Uh, so yeah, he came back, which no one expected him to. You see Jack Nicholson, you think he's a, like a Hollywood superstar. He's going to be aloof and he's going to be arrogant. Uh, but apparently he's just a, He's just a cool guy. Really cool he guy. He looks like a cool guy. Yeah. Oh, amazing. He's just, yeah. He's, he's, yeah. He's, he's the sort of guy I bet everyone would love to work with him. So I bet, you know, when Demi Moore and Tom Cruise, you know, offered this, I thought, oh, I bet they thought the chance to, you know, act with him. Yeah. You know, it's a great opportunity. And uh, one thing I want to say is like the fact that you, this, I said this is a military courtroom drama. You don't actually get into a courtroom until over halfway into the film. Yeah, a lot of it's about the sort of pre, the pre-planning and things, isn't it? And yeah. the sort of um, the training. Yes, yeah. it's, it's a sports film. That's it. Like I say, uh, now you've said that, it's hard not yeah. to think of it like a sports movie. They do all that training. Yeah. Uh, you get the team are falling apart a bit, and they need to go through some adversity, and then they gel, and then they work like a machine, and they take apart the. Um, they're, they're, they're the underdogs and they take apart these giants yeah um and if you see it like that it's yeah it makes this film really exciting it's if i was to describe this i wouldn't say a military courtroom drama anymore i'd say a military sports film yeah yeah <laughs> military sports film yeah what, one thing was interesting also is um during this film um tom cruise and demi moore they don't get romantically involved um at all and that it sounds crazy but that was shocking to me like i thought that was coming a mile off from the first couple of minutes i thought at some point they will get in bed and they're hating each other at the start of the film by the end of the film i knew they'd get on but during the film i thought um yeah i thought they'd have sex and um yeah at the end th- there'd be a couple and Basically, that didn't happen at all in this film. And I think that's um, quite a sort of brave move by the director. The director so easily could have gone down that route of like Tom Cruise and her, you know, getting together. And he didn't. The way I saw it is uh, when their relationship started, it was completely platonic. And you started seeing these kind of, they, they were butting heads on certain things. And in other films, you'd think, oh, you know where this is heading. Exactly like you said, they're going to end up sleeping with each other. And I thought this this film's going to be braver. This film's not going to do it. And and I was thinking, I just can't imagine it happening in this film. And then that moment happens when she turns up at his door, at his apartment. And I'm like, oh no, Here it's going to go. happen. Yeah. The, the, the thing that was too predictable was going to happen because yeah. they need a love interest. And it's. And I, I was really disappointed. And I was from then, I was ready to go, oh, this is just cliche bullshit. Uh, it's Of course, it was written in the 90s. Uh, what would I expect? <laughs> But it was a fake out. It was yeah. a complete fake out. They went out. They had, dangled it. Had a meal. They dangled a carrot. Yeah. Oh, don't use the word dangle, mate. <laughs> That's not what he did. <laughs> no. Um, the, yeah, they, they dangled a carrot. <laughs> they dangled a carrot. They went out for uh, a meal and nothing else happened. And yeah. I thought that was, like you said, a, such a, a, a brave move and admirable. Um, but when I looked up at it later 
Um, Aaron Sorkin, the writer, got a producer's note saying, what's the point in Demi Moore if she doesn't sleep with Tom Cruise? Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, but he held, held, stuck to his guns and, and kept it the way it was, which is, which is amazing, I think. Well, that's maybe another, um, another part of this film that is, is, you know, is, is going forward into the future, you know, like maybe if this film had have been made 20 years before it was made, maybe that character, she would have slept with Tom Cruise. Maybe she wouldn't have been a woman at all, um, you know, or maybe that, you know, so with this film, obviously she was in there. She received a lot of sexism during the film um, and yeah, um, didn't sleep with Tom Cruise. <laughs> what, what would it add? It wouldn't add anything to the film, would it? No. Like, don't, don't need that romantic connection. But the, what the film is talking about is uh, power and it's talking about kind of ethics and it, mm -hmm. and what's right what's wrong and sexism and all these things and if tom cruise ended up sleeping with his colleague that's just undermining everything the film is trying to say yeah he's using yeah. he's like the lead on this this investigation and this court case and then he sleeps with somebody he's supposed to be working with that's unprofessionalism goes against everything she said so it kind of would invalidate everything that they've said before in this film yeah. so the producer that gave that note is just obviously just doesn't get it yeah um and i'm glad that it didn't i'm really glad that it didn't because i was getting very disappointed but it's such a clever move of rob reiner or obviously aaron sorkin wrote it actually so it's a very clever move to kind of fake us out and say oh look this is going to be what you expected it to be and then yeah. pull the rug from under us and say actually it's not so they played with our kind of expectations which i thought was very clever yeah that's it and that you know so off the back of this film at the end you know you sort of reflect on it and you think it didn't fall into like some of the traps that a lot of these movies would have you know and um it stayed clear of that and fair play to it because um yeah you know it was better for it we haven't mentioned Kevin Bacon yet. No, we haven't. Um, K-Bake. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and also, I didn't bring you um, a bacon sandwich, so I'm, <laughs> I do apologise, but um, right. something bacon-related will come your way, I promise you that. Um, but no, I think he was great in it. Um, I What I liked is that, although he was sitting opposite Tom Cruise, he was like the uh, his, his rival, wasn't he? He was trying mm. to... Um, he was trying to um, convict the, the, the two defendants. and um, But what I liked is that, outside of the court... They get on like really well, you know, and I think that's probably how it's like, how what it's like in, in in the sort of courtroom setting, you know, in the court, you know, they're at each other's throats, and Tom Cruise is trying to outdo Kevin Bacon and vice versa. But outside, they're happy to have a beer, they're happy to have a chat about the case, you know, and they realise it's just the job, isn't it? I, I like that as well, and it's another just just like the Demi Moore no sex thing. It's playing with our convention, uh, the conventions and our expectations because mm. you would expect them they're rivals yeah. they're going to be at each other's throats yeah. going to cause drama but it, it's more for me it's more dramatic for them to get along and then go up against each other as they're getting along yeah. and then at the end of the film he's not you dickhead you, you, no, you've he completely accepts like he, 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 he accepts the verdict Kevin Bacon does and also you can tell he's got a lot of admiration for like how Tom Cruise handled it yeah. and Kevin Bacon is almost saying right on to the next case um, I'll see you around the campus you know whatever and um, yeah I thought that was really really good you know how they uh, their relationship Kevin. and the fact he had to make the actual arrest at the end and he was just he, you could see him he's in the background isn't he of, of, behind tom yeah. cruise objecting to tom cruise kind of yeah uh, getting jack nicholson riled up and then you can see his body language change and he's out of focus most of the time but you can see his body language change going okay i'm gonna have to arrest this guy now he's just yeah he's just uh, purged himself and i'm gonna yeah. have to put him away i know it's like the start of the film or sort of for the first half of the courtroom scene sorry the judge is like well on top of Tom Cruise like everything Kevin Bacon's like objecting to he's like yeah I'll go with that I'll go with that yeah. I'll go with that but then that sort of slowly starts to change and then everything Tom Cruise wants the judge starts going okay I'll yeah. allow that I'll allow that I'll allow that I, I think I spotted the moment when that changes it's when Jack Nicholson pisses the judge off 
Oh yeah, what does he say to him? Because he doesn't Jack Nicholson say, um, you should refer to me as so and so. Exactly. Yeah, and maybe right that's the bit where he yeah. thought, yeah. Um, he he, he the, the judge kind of then, all right, this guy wants to play hardball. Yeah. Not softball like Tom Cruise. He wants to play hard <laughs> he wants to play hardball. Um and then that's when like the tide starts to turn. I think it would have turned anyway, but the judge yeah. is more, okay, this guy's an arsehole and yeah. and let's see where this goes. One and, thing I thought was um interesting about that that last scene, you know, sort of it comes to like a com- culmination, doesn't it, at the end? So you've got almost the final battle between Tom Cruise and Jack Nicholson, etc. And I thought what was interesting um was that they in the film they reveal the plan that they're going to they're going to try and trap Jack Nicholson into saying that he ordered the code red, which for people that haven't seen it, which is Demi Moore's idea by the way. Demi Moore's idea, absolutely. So that's the you know uh, the, the the strong female character like actually given the you know a good idea for um for Tom Cruise to try and you know get him to admit you know the the fault you know admit that he he gave the order for the the code red. Um, but that's interesting because they could have maybe taken that out of the film and then. The viewer would probably be a bit more shocked about when Tom Cruise is pressing him and pressing him and pressing him, and Jack Nicholson just explodes um, and basically says, "Yes, mm. I did order it." But I think you've just said it there. Maybe the director put that scene in with Demi Moore giving that idea to Tom Cruise again to like elevate her even further to say that, "Yes, yeah, she's a woman. Yes, yeah, she's putting up with all this sexism, um, but she's the one who's come up with the you know the real good." She won the, the case. End. That's it. She it's won her the case. Ideas. She's she's yeah. the, she's the one who wanted to chase it and said, "We need to take this further." Yeah. She knew what was right and wrong at the beginning and she's the one like she doesn't have the character arc that Tom Cruise is and she no. obviously still the 90s she wasn't she was a star back then a huge star but she was no Tom Cruise she was no Jack Nicholson but she is the one that wins this case and yeah. another reason why I wouldn't want to take that part out of the film is because you won't get the uh, drunk Tom Cruise scene <laughs> where he's doing oh. one a Jack Nicholson impression which was hilarious <laughs> in his Mac uh, yeah, like, really, yeah it's yeah. great actually so sodden wet yeah. and doing a Jack Nicholson impression but also what as far as I can tell he's Jim Carrey before Jim Carrey was Jim Carrey <laughs> he was so good and he was mocking the idea oh sure let's 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 uh let's get him to say it and he was almost like a game show host yeah wasn't he? and he was going over yeah. the top but he basically really sarcastically said exactly 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 the route they were going to go down mm-hmm. um uh, but he just mocked her for saying it um, and then they did it anyway. And what what I really liked about that whole setup is they said, right, this is what we need to win this case. Like nothing else is going to win this case. Our main witness has, has died. Yeah. And even if he hadn't died, they could have probably got around it anyway. Yeah. But what we need is for, to, we need to bait Jack Nicholson um, and we need to get him to admit it. But in doing that, you, what Tom Cruise is saying, in doing that, I'm going to get disbarred and, I'll probably never work again. Might even get be put away for whatever it is. Yeah. Well, um, he said like sort of if you if you're slandering like a top officer, yeah. that's real dangerous. Yeah, exactly. So there's a, there's a point where he had to choose, and this mm. is what all this all this culminated to. All this kind of led to that moment where Tom Cruise has to choose: do I go after him, or do I just sit back and accept the loss? Yeah. And and that's what all this led up to. And then you get that moment and you see in Tom Cruise's eyes, okay, I'm going to go for him. I'm going to go go for the jugular. And then there's no stepping back after that. So once he's locked into that, there's no stepping back. If he loses, that's he's lost everything. He's not just losing a case. He's lost everything. Yeah. Um, And he's trying to, you know, live up to his dad reputation. That's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. You've lost your job. You've lost your reputation. You're done. So he had to win. And that, I think that's why he gets so impassioned at the end that he's like, no, I, 
you know, I, I want the truth. And he's, he's screaming at him yeah. in the courtroom, which would never happen, by the way. Yeah, it's very say, Hollywood, isn't it? The very over like, the top. Yeah. But he just, yeah, he just goes for him. And um, well, it worked yeah. perfectly, the plan, you know? I mean, yeah. it, um, that bit is so good. It just builds and builds. And Jack Nicholson's getting more and more annoyed and more annoyed and more annoyed. And you can see that um, Tom Cruise just keeps um, um, sort of uh, cutting down any answers that he gives, you know? So Jack Nicholson will say something and Tom Cruise will disprove it. And he'll say something else and he'll disprove it. Mm. And you know it's coming. And then, obviously, Jack Nicholson, like you say, his brow starts going and his cheeks start going in his ears. And then he just unleashes this really cool monologue yeah. um, about um, why he did it, why he ordered the Code Red. And he's basically saying, yes, you know what? You're goddamn right I did. Absolutely. And he's saying, look, I'll do it again. <laughs> and and it sort of harks back to what we are saying earlier. This man is military through and through. You know, he, he sticks by what's he what he believes rightly or wrongly he believes that if there's an officer or sorry if there's a, a, a soldier not performing to their best potential you need to give them tough love you know and yeah. um tom cruise demi moore they knew that this guy in front of a court if you keep if you keep baiting him eventually he won't be able to hold it in and he and he went for it didn't he the the thing is they built up the ego in the film so in the film you understand he's got this guy's got massive ego he's arrogant yeah and if you play to his ego a little bit and say will anyone kind of uh will anyone ignore your orders he's going to say of course they're not order. he's going to puff yeah. out his chest and say no no they'll never do that yeah and then okay so why why this and and why would he have to be taken off base if if uh someone was told not to touch him yeah and that is just the perfect trap isn't it they've they've yeah. kind of took they've taken it they've flanked him on both sides and he can't answer it either way and that angers him it frustrates him he's out of control he's no longer in control of the situation and that's what he's used to yeah being in control and all the way through that that you you've got to hate him even more or dislike him even more because You've seen in the film that he's sexist. You've seen in the film that he's arrogant, he's egotistical and condescending. Um, but I think there's a moment in it, which I alluded to earlier, where you kind of get that he might be uh, anti-Semitic as well, where the bit where he goes, "Who's who else is, is going to do it? You or you, Lieutenant Weinberg, the one Jewish person on that bench? Why did he, why did he point out him? I don't um, know, yeah. I mean, that's not something that I, I picked up on, to be honest. But um, interesting, yeah, strange that... Um you know, he would make that remark. But again, maybe... Because they don't few... interact in the film. No. At all. They don't interact and he points out him. And yeah. I noticed that in the film. Why is he pointing out... What, what's he saying? That he's a, he's a weak guy? He's a weak character? What is it? And the, the only reason why I say I think it's anti-Semitic is I've looked it up afterwards saying why... You know, I'm trying to work out why. And people have alluded to... They think it's trying to suggest that he's he's got a problem with... Uh, the Jewish community, so it makes sense, um, but it's yeah. very subtly done. But yeah, but, but like it, I, say, I didn't pick it up. Yeah, it just yeah. tweaked on me. Like, why didn't he say like Demi Moore's character? Yeah. Why didn't he say what you, why you, did or he anyone? Go for the Jewish person. He, he just went straight for somebody he yeah. hadn't even interacted with. It'd make more sense if he said it to Demi Moore. Yeah, well, who's going to do it? A girl, a you girl. know that type of thing, and, and even yeah. more sexist. But he went for Weinberg. Why Weinberg? And then Kevin Pollock's character just sat there, go, why me? <laughs> and uh, I saw an interview of Kevin Pollock when he he actually alluded to this and saying, you know, it's a great moment because yeah. it kind suggest something but subtly without kind of as we talked about in previous weeks yeah there's no exposition to try yeah. and t tell you this guy hates Jews. Yeah. yeah absolutely yeah and like i said it's a subtle way of doing it yeah. and um again it's just another reason to um to you know not like this character and, and that's why you know when when he does fall at the end you know when it all comes crashing down it is so sweet um <laughs> i love the bit when um so the case has basically been won the guy's admitted that he gave the order to beat this guy up um 
and he just gets up and just starts walking out, you know, and then like troops like surround him, and he yeah. just can't believe it. He's just like, "What?" Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And they're like, "No, arrest this man!" And um, you snotty oh, little bastard. Yeah, oh, it's brilliant. <laughs> and like the hatred he must have for Tom Cruise, because like like we said earlier, Tom Cruise like represents like the future and like a new way of thinking, and like you know how maybe the army should be run. And Jack Nicholson is so old school, and in that moment, you can just tell he's thinking. Oh, I hate you, mate. I yeah. absolutely hate you. you. Like I say, you cocky. Oh, you know, he really does have disdain for it. Exactly. <laughs> and I think what, what actually puts a full stop on that character is um, he kind of goes to go after and strangle, throttle Tom Cruise. Yeah. And he gets held back by some guards. Uh, Kevin Bacon doing his job, getting the boys on him, getting the heavies. Um, <laughs> and then he says, and I quote, I'm going to rip the eyes out of your head and piss in your skull. Oh, that's brutal, isn't it? <laughs> I'm using that. Next time I'm really angry at someone, I'm going to use that. I'm going to rip the eyes out of your head and piss in your skull. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, yeah, wow. Intense. So, overall then, um, what would you, if you were going to say, um, you know, sum it up, um, maybe give it a score or, you know, like a final sort of like word on it. What did you think about this this movie? I really like it. I really, really like it. And I enjoy liking it as a kid. Um, I used to watch anything that was on TV. Like, I didn't have the choice to stream whatever I liked or go to Blockbuster every five minutes. So whenever there's a film on TV, I'd watch it. I remember watching this quite often because it was always on TV. And I always enjoyed it. But I got something even more out of it this time, understanding a bit more about the world. I didn't get the sexism and the you know all the condescension and stuff like that and uh, more of the kind of politics behind it um, previously when I watched it. So I liked it even more this time. Um, it, it ranks up there with kind of when it comes to courtroom dramas uh, or, or procedurals even. Yeah. Uh, for me, it ranks up there as, as one of the best. The dialogue is incredible. Uh, some of the actors have never been so good, I think. We haven't even mentioned Kiefer Sutherland, who is just like a robotic kind of sentinel doing everything yeah. he's told. Yeah, uh, he's quite scary in this film, wasn't yeah. he? Like he had this look and you thought, yeah, he would do anything Jessup would say, you know, Jack Nicholson. It was, um, yeah. I want to see more of him. Uh, yeah, you can see. Uh, I wonder whether that's uh, Jack Bauer from 24 uh, before he, he, he got into the CTU. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um which yeah which kind of makes sense uh but yeah i i really like the film uh, w when it comes to scoring it it's hard I, it's it's hard to date this film as well i think uh, if you don't know the actors obviously you can see that it's an older film because tom cruise has still got his original teeth um <laughs> <laughs> and uh he, he looks about 12 yeah um he was in he was in his pomp by the way at this point he'd yeah, done so it's his 92 yeah so 92 he's, he's done his like top guns and his you know some of his earlier like, risky yeah. business and stuff like that um, uh, to be for, to be fair, has Tom Cruise ever not been in his pomp except for when he jumped on the couch about Kate Holmes? I don't know. That was when that was his dark days. But he's he's just a movie star, isn't he? He's yeah. like one of the biggest stars in the world, and it's it, you can see it in this. Uh, so, like I say, yeah, the actors, uh, some of them have never been so good. Jack Nicholson is just. Uh, oozing charisma yeah. all over the place only De like three scenes and like he yeah. steals everyone Demi Moore's great they're all just really good to watch um, so it's an acting masterclass in certain areas the writing's incredible the direction's great um, the only thing that dates it for me is the music um, so military music not so bad you always get the you know <laughs> all that god bless American music that's fine but every now and then I notice when there's a revelation at certain points in the film you'd hear a bit of cheesy keyboard music and I, oh, I could do without that so if someone could rescore this music <laughs> you could release it today and yeah. I'd still love it um, I'm going to go for an 8 out of 10 no yeah good score very good score um, 
I, I agree with you, like everything you said. I really, really like this film. And the one thing I liked about it over everything else um, was that this film um, deals with a subject matter that I didn't know a lot about. I wouldn't usually watch. Um, and it'd be very easy to flick past this movie. Like one point on it is that the front cover, the the, the front cover it looks it looks quite boring, right? It's got a picture of three military people on with a flag um a few good men in the title and then it, i think it says uh maybe, some, maybe something about it being a courtroom you know uh sort of drama so it'd be very easy to flick past that but what i would say to anyone is that you can't lose out watching something that you know you would usually wouldn't watch and um without you mentioning this film i wouldn't have watched it i'm very glad i did because like i say it 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 showed me, uh, you know, a part of the world or sort of, you know, an industry or, you know, the military or whatever that, you know, I didn't know much about. I don't know much about like lawyers and, and, and the US military and how they deal with, you know, like, um, you know, troops who aren't doing so well and et cetera, et cetera. And so this film um, was a real good eye opener for me. Um, as we've been talking as well, I think we've, um, you know, discovered that there's some really good themes running through it. Some themes about, you know, empowering women and 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 making, um, you know, the, the, the women in this film, you know, or make, oh, sorry, the Demi more character you know she comes to the forefront and she you know she comes up with the plan at the end to take the the you know the evil jack nicholson character down and i think that's obviously you know a really good message um also i think it just does a really really good job of um a subject which is really really gray you know um how you discipline and how you um train um you know uh the best of the best troops and um i think it just does a really good job of um you know of showing us how it's done, how it shouldn't be done, um, and and the grey areas that come with um, you know this tough love, and um, yeah, I thought it was brilliant. I loved it. I think eight is a fair score. I'd give it exactly the same. Mate. Good. Yeah, I, I only say eight. I, I was going between eight and nine, but I think there's films I love more. So I enjoy this movie. I I respect it even more. Uh, it's got you know great themes, great acting, great direction, uh, but. The love isn't quite there, um, but I really like it. I really, really like it. And uh, I've never not enjoyed watching it. No. Um, I think it's, it's the, as high a score as you can get for a courtroom drama. Because yeah, like, agree. you're yeah. like me. Like You like explosions. You like cars driving off cliffs. You like guns. You like machine guns. Punches. You know, I love punches. You, you love punches. Yeah. You know, you love you love aliens bursting out of chests. You yeah. love swords dismembering people. You know, we. I mean, who doesn't like that? And this film, as you probably tell, has none of that. But for us to give it an eight, and it has none of that, that must mean this is a brilliant movie, yeah, you know? And, it is brilliant. Uh, yeah, and I think this is a classic sort of film. If I watched it when I was 20, I probably wouldn't have liked it that much. I probably would have been bored. But being 31, like, I'm interested in, you know, all different facets of the world. And um, this showed me, you know, this showed me stuff that I'd never seen before. I'm so, so glad you enjoyed yeah. it, mate. I was, oh. I was worried. I thought it might go two ways. And what's really funny is when we went cinema during the week, um, we both said, did you watch it, mate? Yep, watched it. And oh, that's it. End of conversation. Nothing. Said nothing. Yeah. And and I was worried. I was thinking it could go either way. I can imagine George just saying, "This is a pile of steaming turd. <laughs> Why did you make me watch this crap? Um, you know, couldn't you have just chosen a Star Wars film or something?" And but then I thought, "Nah, he's going to get it. He's going to get it. He's going to really enjoy it." And I'm so glad you said you did because yeah. I didn't want to waste your time with a well, rubbish film. I mean, this appears on Now TV. This appears on Sky, and I believe it's got you know four and a half, five stars or whatever. It just this goes for any movie. If you're flicking through Sky or flicking through Now TV or Netflix, and you see something that's got five stars or four and a half stars, even if it's not something or the genre that you'd usually go for, I would recommend anyone just watching that movie or that series because if it's rated that highly, there's gonna be something good in it. And if you watch enough of thing, enough 
things that you wouldn't usually watch, sometimes you will find a gem, something that you didn't know you would like. And um, yeah, this is like well, an example for me. You know? Perfect example. Great. Yeah. So while we're talking about ratings, um, I want to show you so i want to talk about something where this rates quite highly in um so we've talked about the dialogue in this movie yeah machine gun dialogue yep. there's a lot of talking in this film yeah uh very well written dialogue as well so you get a lot of films with a lot of dialogue with terrible dialogue but this is great um now this this movie ranks very highly when it comes to movies with the most dialogue oh wow so more speaking in this movie than most the most yeah in the top 15 of films of all time this has one of the most dialogues. that is mad like yeah. I, I would never have known that you know i mean like we said this film is is is, is short of like explosions and car crashes and, and swords and things um so it's got a lot of talking but i wouldn't have said you know it had any more than another film uh, that's interesting so i got the top 15 in front of me so these are the so these are the films that contain the most verbal words <laughs> yeah so movies with the most dialogue ranked by spoken words in the screenplay including narration right, so okay. if there's any talking over characters etc yeah. that's included yeah so first of all i was going to play a couple of games maybe a bit higher or lower later cool but i was wondering are those top 15 could you rec do you reckon you could name any others um just off the top of my head um lord of the rings and that's just because they're quite long there are no lord of the rings films okay. on here so Hmm, let's have a little think. What would be a really wordy film? Oh, and again, another one that's quite long, The Wolf of Wall Street. The Wolf of Wall Street is yeah. not on here. Oh. Now, let me, I'll give you a slight clue. You're in, like, you're, you're not far off with, with some of these. Um, a Few Good Men, I believe, is the second oldest film on here. So right. there was one in 1991 mm. uh, that was very wordy. Another kind of courtroom drama. So was this um, at The Firm, The Client, um... Just trying to think of some other courtroom Based in the films. 60s and 70s, I believe. Mm. No, you might have to give me this one. What I think it had Kevin Bacon in it again, by the way. Oh, wow. It definitely had Kevin Costner in it. Oh, um, a Kevin Costner courtroomy sort of drama. It was to do with a presidential assassination. Okay, so it's not a movie I've seen. Um, go for it. What is JFK. it? JFK. Oh, okay, JFK. Um, so... As you were sort of saying, I thought, oh, I wonder if this is um, about the President Kennedy. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, I haven't seen that film. Or, so, yeah, that's the oldest film on the list, right? 1991. All yeah. of the others, uh, it makes sense because films seem to be getting longer, yeah. uh, that every one of those afterwards, A Few Good Men was 1992, and that's uh, that's on the list as well. Yeah. But the rest of them are all later than that. One of these films you've seen very recently? The Dark Knight? Yes. So that's in there. What the number Dark was Knight's that? Well, should we do higher or lower? Do you think yeah, the Dark Knight's um, higher or lower than A Few Good Men? So, do you think it's had hmm. did you do you think it has more dialogue or less dialogue? I think A Few Good Men has more dialogue than The Dark Knight. Correct. Okay, cool. Ding, ding, ding. So it's higher. So A Few Good Men has forty two thousand three hundred and thirty eight words. <laughs> this is so good, yeah. Uh, the Dark Knight has thirty three thousand five hundred and thirty six. Oh wow! So quite a difference. Yeah, like, ten thousand. Uh, uh, yeah, so yeah, nearly ten thousand different. Yeah. Um, what about JFK? High or lower? Mm, well, I haven't seen JFK, but I'm just going to say that it has got less than A Few Good Men. It has more. It has more yeah. than... So it's got 40-odd thousand words. More than that, 58,832. So it's got so over 10,000 more than yeah. A Few Good Men. You thought there was a lot of machine gun dialogue in, in A Few Good Men. JFK is up there. It's not number one, though. Um, so we've still got time. 
What, what are some other ones on so, this list, then? Uh, let me see if I can give you some clues for, a, for another film you might know. Um, one of these films starred an actress from Mars Attacks. It oh. was a Quentin Tarantino film. Oh, okay, so um, this could be The Hateful Eight. No. That was a longie. Um, Older than that, 90s one. Oh, 90s one. So it could be Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs, Jackie Brown. Jackie Brown Jackie is. Brown. Oh, so this will be Pam Greer, yes. who, was in, um, who was in Mars Attacks. Correct. So, so there's um, another connection for all you listening yeah. to connections. So... Um, so Jackie Brown then. So this is in the in the list of fifteen most you know wordy films. Yeah. Um, I have seen this one. I'm going to say that it's got less than a few good men. Um, Correct. Yeah. Thirty nine thousand two hundred twenty eight. Okay, so quite close then. Yeah, like, very close. Wise, yeah. Here's another another Tom Cruise film. Okay. And from nineteen ninety nine. Ninety nine. Um, what did he do? It's oh, actually. One. I think I know what it is. Is this is one of my favourite films? Actually, I love this movie. Um, is this Eyes Wide Shut? No, it's not. Oh. That's not on here. Um, because I think that was nineteen ninety two. Um, just amazing though that this is someone's job to sit. Well, I suppose a computer could probably help out. But do you know what I mean? Who would have thought that? That like this who, is why I love this. Who would have gone? A few good men has a. Who would have watched that and gone? God, like there was a lot of words in that film. It's named after a flower. Oh, um, and a colour. Oh, is it? Magnolia. It is indeed. Yeah. Yes. Um, so I, I don't know. I haven't seen that film, Magnolia. Um, but just off the top of my head, I'm going to guess that it had less than A Few Good Men. Very, very close. But Ooh. yes, less. Just less, yeah? Yeah, 41,490. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Slightly less. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. What else have we got here? We've got a Brad Pitt film from 2004. Swords and Sandals Epic. Ooh. Oh, is it Troy? It is Troy. Oh. See, I'm surprised, actually, because um, I would have thought some of the battle sequences, you know, would sort of cut the, the dialogue a lot. But, yeah. So um, far, all these films, I would say, would be known for having a lot of dialogue. It's surprising that Troy, which is, you know, like I said, a Sword and Sandals Epic, has yeah. so much dialogue. But yeah. it's there. Is it higher or lower than A Few Good Men? Unless it's lower. It is lower. Yeah. 33,828. Wow. Uh, let's do a couple more and then I'll just give you the whole list. Um, I want to talk about a Martin Scorsese film. Okay. Is it one I watched recently? Is it Goodfellas? It's not. It's not Goodfellas. Close. Um, so is it the same sort of era, uh, early 90s Scorsese? Um, that's what I think. So he did Gangs of New York. What else did Martin Scorsese do around then? Might need another clue. Well, it's very close in subject matter. To... Oh, is it Casino? It is casino. casino. Higher or lower than A Few Good Men? Um, I've gone lower a lot, so I'm just going to go with it and say higher. It is indeed oh, is higher. It? Yeah, 67,678. Wow. So I think this is the highest one we've had so far, yeah? Casino is the highest on the list. Oh, wow. So, that, so out of all the movies in existence, um, well, I guess uh, English language films, um, this is the most... Wordy film. Exactly. Most dialogue. Number one, Casino, wow. 1995, 67,678. Such a good um, uh, fact. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? And followed by JFK. Yeah. Then Funny People, which I've never seen from 2009. Um, I believe it's Adam Sandler. Um, that <laughs> A Few Good Men is number four. Four, okay, yeah. So this is, we've just watched one of the most wordy films of all time. That's crazy. Yeah. I, it's something that I never would have thought of. I'd like to know what the average is. I'd love to know what the average movie has in it. You know, that would be quite... I can find out for yeah. you. Uh, followed by Magnolia. Yep. High Fidelity. Okay. Jackie Brown. The American President from 1995. Yeah. 
Observe and Report. Oh, never heard of this. Which is, I think that's a Seth Rogen joint, isn't it? I believe. Um, then Troy, Youth in Revolt. Yeah. Sense and Sensibility, the 1995 version. Uh, the Dark Knight, Gran Torino, which I love, by the oh, way. Oh, this is um, Clint Eastwood. Yeah, have you ever seen it? No. Oh, I love it. I think this is a, a similar film to Harry Brown, is that right? That was yeah. like the English version. I've seen yeah. Harry Brown, but not Gran Torino. Yeah, it's it's great. It's a really good film. Um, and number 15 is Dogma, which is a Kevin Smith uh, film. Oh, Dogma's cool. Jay and Silent Bob. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Uh, Matt Damon and um, Ben Affleck, I think, yeah, in that I film. Think, yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, so average... There's a there's a, a window. So the average screenplay is between seven and a half thousand words and twenty thousand words. And considering our list starts at thirty two thousand, wow, a few good men's on forty two thousand. So it has double the average words. Yeah. Um, and then, what made you think of that? So what did you watch this and think? God, there's a lot of words in that. Or how yeah. did that come about? Because the like- film is basically talking. Yeah. In different in different arenas, so yeah. it'll be talking in a softball court. It'll be talking uh, in a corridor, in an office, yeah. in an interview room, in a courtroom, in a, in an apartment, um, and that's all it is. There's not much else to it. There's no sex scenes. There's right. no uh, physical action scenes. There's no, nothing else. It's just all talking, and it's fast talking. And and I know Aaron Sorkin's known for his dialogue, yeah. so I thought I'm going to look up how this ranks in regards. And I thought it might come in the top 100, which I think would be noteworthy anyway, considering how many films have ever been made. And it was in the top 10. And I was like, we have to talk about this. 100%. We That's have amazing. to talk about this. I love that fact, though, because, you know, most, um, you know, most word heavy film ever. Yeah, we'll get um, we'll get there one day. That's brilliant. Um, I did actually have uh, what ranks as the least as well. So I've got movies with the least dialogue ranked by spoken words in the screenplay, including narration. So are there, are there, is there any films in that list that are they quite well-known films or are they very obscure? Yeah. So I'll read out the really well-known ones yeah. that you'll, you'll know. Have you heard, have you watched Son of Soul? No, no. Okay. Uh, Pixels with uh, um, Adam Sandler. Yeah. yeah. That's number two. Uh, Team America. World Police is number three. So that's got the third least amount of talking in. Yeah. That's crazy. Uh, my Blue Heaven, Slow West. There's not much talking in that. I can I can <laughs> attest to that. Nine to Five, Dolly Parton. Uh, For Your Eyes Only, James Bond film. Yep. Uh, Fun with Dick and Jane. Spring Breakers, Nowhere to Run, The Punisher, the 2004 one. Yep. Uh, War of the Worlds, another Tom Cruise film. Yep. Uh, the Mosquito Coast, Maximum Overdrive, and Conquest of the Planet of the Apes. Wow. Just to um, sorry, just to uh, recap on the 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 film with the least amount of words in number one was Son of Soul. Son of Soul. Good quiz question one day. Yeah, exactly. Know? So yeah. if anyone's listening, that comes up. That would be a good uh, fact. And I don't want to keep flogging this thing, but here's the characters with the most lines. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> so, a character from this film appears on the list of the top fifteen characters with the most lines. So, which character do you think it would be? So, a character from A Few Good Men. Yeah. Who spoke the most? Yeah, Tom Cruise. Indeed. Yeah, yeah. So uh, he spoke sixteen thousand one hundred forty-eight words. Uh, the number one is Robert De Niro in Casino. Now I take it it's because of the narration in that film. Right, he I talks see. over the whole thing, yeah. doesn't he? Uh, he spoke twenty-six thousand seven hundred ninety-eight. Wow. So yeah, I don't think we need to go through all of those. But you got films from the films from the top fifteen that we've already spoken about. There's characters from each of those, basically, and yeah. a few few others randomly. Um, and then I've also got actors with the most lines in film. <laughs> Love it. Uh, so Tom Cruise appears on that as well. So yeah. he's number two 
um, when it comes to most uh, most lines ranked by median spoken words per screenplay, so throughout their whole career. Throughout their whole career. So, uh, that, so every film adds to this number all yeah. the time. So where does he appear on that list? Number sorry? two. Number two. So he's the, he's the actor with the second most amount of words ever in movies. So they take an average of all their scripts they've had. Oh, I see. And then they... Uh, who's got the highest average? Average. Um, so he's he averages more words than most actors. Who do you think is number one? Um, is De Niro one? No. No. Um, in fact, he's not even in the top 15. Mm. So he had one film with loads of, and then yeah. he hasn't been asked to say anything ever since. He can't no. be asked. He just does his <laughs> yeah, just does eyebrow his, thing. That's it. Does his face. Um, is it a well-known actor then? This yes. is a well-known actor. The only one that surprised me on this list is the fourth on the list, which is Kevin Costner. Wow. Yeah. Can't shut him up. <laughs> uh, number one doesn't surprise me because they're a motor mouth. And we've mentioned him in this pod hmm. because him in this pod, Tom Cruise did an impression of him without actually knowing him at the time. Oh, Jim Carrey. Yes. yes good show. So he's got the, on average, the most amount of words yeah. in films. 5,338 average words per film followed by Tom Cruise, yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio, Kevin Costner and Jack Nicholson. Ah, and then so the Jack rest Nicholson. of them, you just go through every star, every like male star, every yeah. single one of them's a male, by the way. Start giving women more words. Yeah, come on. Come on, Demi. Tom Hanks, Dustin Hoffman, Al Pacino, Will Ferrell, Owen Wilson, George Clooney, Nicolas Cage, Jake Gyllenhaal, Denzel Washington and Liam Neeson. And that's all I've got. No more dialogue questions oh that was brilliant um i came up with a little game also yes. off the back of this movie um all it was was that um do, while i was watching um i was thinking oh you know obviously the, the fantastic acting in this film um i thought these guys could have actually been in the army and then i thought oh i wonder what actors have actually been in the army um so what i've got is i've got five um what i'll do is i'll read you out two um two actors and then i'll read out um, one of their one of their military careers, and then I'll also tell you what their what one of their other jobs might have been. And you've just got to guess which one was in the army and which one had this random other job. So love this. We'll do the first one, and the first one actually is Tom Cruise or Adam Driver. So when this actor graduated from high school, uh, they enlisted and easy, easily acclimatized acclimatized to life as a marine. However, before he had a chance to deploy, he injured his sternum in a mountain biking accident. After two years in the Corps, without a deployment, he was discharged for medical reasons. His time in the Marines helped provide him with clarity about what he wanted to do in life, work as an actor. So that's one of them. The other one was actually going to become a minister. So you've got Tom Cruise or Adam Driver. One of them was in the Marines and one of them was going to become a minister. What do you reckon it might be? I'm pretty sure I've heard of Tom Cruise wanting to be a minister before. Um, uh, but I also, I knew Adam Driver had been in the military. So yeah. uh, that's the way I'm going to say it. Absolutely spot on. Yeah, Adam Driver um, was in the, the military, got injured and, and never got deployed. Tom Cruise was going to become a minister. So um, yeah, wow. that's there a departure, isn't it? Um, the next one then um, is um, is Harvey Cattell or Woody Harrelson. So one of these two uh, joined the Marine Corps right out of high school. Um, his experiences there helped shape his worldview. Um, he credits an instructor teaching him how to overcome his fear of the dark with developing his conviction to overcome and per persevere against the unknown. Um, this actor served in Lebanon during Operation Blue Bat and earned a medal as a fire team leader. So that's one of them. The other one worked in an amusement park. So that's Harvey Cattell or Woody Harrelson. 
Who do you reckon? Um... Uh, first of all, I could see both in military uniform. Hundred um, percent. I mean, <laughs> I just love the idea of Harvey Cattell working in an amusement park. It'd be so yeah. funny. Um, so yeah, I'm going to say it that way. I'm going to say that Woody Harrelson was in the military. Harvey Cattell. No, sorry, Harvey Cattell in the military. Woody Harrelson. Fairground. You're spot on. Yeah, yep. Harvey Cattell, yep, in the military, and Woody Harrelson worked in an amusement park. Um, the next one, then, are the two actors, are, are James Earl Jones or Samuel L. Jackson. Um, so one of these uh, is a United States Army veteran and former member of the 75th Rangers Regiment, and the other one worked for a time as a social worker in Los Angeles. Uh, I've seen Samuel L. Jackson hold a gun. I don't think he's ever been in the military. <laughs> Um, I could imagine James Earl Jones being amazing with that voice uh, in the military. And I've seen him in the uh, s- the Harrison Ford, Jack Ryan movies, uh, playing his his upper. And yeah, I could imagine him in the military. So I'm going to say James Earl Jones is in the military. Free out of free. Spot on, That's mate. Nice. And yeah, Samuel Jackson was a social worker in LA for a time. That's just amazing. It doesn't surprise me. Um, so the next one then, uh, we've got Brad Pitt or Morgan Freeman. So one of these actors was always entranced by war films, particularly pieces about fighter pilots. In love with the idea of flying, this actor joined the US Air Force but was relegated to being a radar technician. His interest in flight was so strong that he turned down a scholarship for drama. Um, the other actor actually majored in journalism with a focus on advertising so one of them you know wanted to become a fighter pilot and the other one went to university and um yeah majored in journalism uh i think brad pitt's too much of a hippie or at least he was a bit too much of a hippie back then um to be interested in the military i think he's a make love not war type guy um and morgan freeman is more of the age where I would say he was watching old war films with uh, gunfights and, and and pilots being heroes. Um, so I'm going to say, yeah, Morgan Freeman was in the military. Boom. Yeah. Absolutely spot on, mate. And as well worked out. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I could see Brad Pitt as being your more sort of carefree um, student type person back yeah. in the day, I'd imagine. And um, I, I, to be honest, though, it is a bit of a stretch for me to think of... Um, of Morgan Freeman in a fighter jet. Yeah. Another great voice, though. I'd like to oh. hear his voice. It'd be really reassuring to hear Morgan Freeman, my favourite uh, movie president. <laughs> uh, he should have worked through the ranks. He would be president now. The last one, then, is... Um, the last two, sorry, is, is Shaggy or Jamie Foxx. As in, Raggy! <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I literally... When I saw this, I thought, oh, I've got to oh. put um, these guys in there. So, so you no, mean Shaggy as in... Shaggy as in... Um, it the wasn't one, me. It wasn't me. That's the one. So... One of these was in the U.S. Marine Corps and even served in Operation Desert Storm, which I think is a famous uh, uh, Gulf War operation. Um, The other one received a scholarship to the United States International University, where he studied musical and performing arts composition. So you've got Shaggy from um, singing and rap fame. It wasn't me. (laughs) Or Jamie Foxx. One of them was in the Marine Corps. One of them... Had a scholarship at the United States Univers- International University. I think Jamie Foxx had a scholarship. I think he's quite he's quite musical. Um, and I'm not just talking about the fact that he's he's had a music career and he's been in uh, musical related, played Ray and all that lot. Um, but I, I've got a feeling he did did go to university and and get some musical background. I don't know. I don't know whether I'm just um, imagining that. Um, but then again, I can't ima- imagine Shaggy. In the military. Um, it's just mental, isn't it? Yeah, but I'm going to go that way. I'm going to go Shaggy in the military. 
spot on. Shaggy was in the military. Did I get all of them? <laughs> you got all of them. Ooh. Five out of five, mate. Five you know five, you're, yeah. um, you, you, know, you can tell uh, an army man a mile off. God bless America. <laughs> Wow, that's that. amazing. Well, so another couple of good games there, I think. Yeah, no, no, really, really interesting. Like I say, you know, we've learned about how talky this, you know, movie is, and we've obviously learned about some actors, you know, who um have been in the military or you know or haven't. Um, so yeah, absolutely brilliant. Great, that's great. I really, like I said, really enjoyed the film. Uh, enjoyed the, those uh, little games, and uh, looking forward to finding out what's next. Yeah. So next. Um, uh, with this film, off the back of it, I had loads of choice, you know. So I've got Jack Nicholson, obviously Tom Cruise, Demi Moore, um, Kevin Bacon. Um, just um, out of interest, what did you have? You got any idea what actor I might pick, where I might go? Just off the top of your head. Well, I know you can't choose Kevin Bacon because we said no two K bakes in a row. Yeah, because you can't be... get a double bacon sandwich week. Right, <laughs> that's, that's out of the question. It's not happening. You got to wait a week. You got to have a furlough week. Um, so I would be tempted to go. We're getting progressively older, I think we have, haven't we? Yeah, we have. We've got we have. We've got so we progressively had Inception older. and then went back to 1995, Yeah, that's it, yeah. Um, so you could deep down into a uh, jump down through Jack Nicholson, who's been in two films in a row, so I don't think you'd choose him. Mm. So would you go? I, I think you might go Tom Cruise. I, my thought process was very, very similar to what you said. So firstly, Jack Nicholson, I thought... Um, I wasn't going to choose him because I didn't want another link with him, you know, even though it would have been a great film, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. So this guy regarded him straight away. Next one I went to is Tom Cruise. Look through his back catalogue. Obviously, he's got loads of absolute bangers. Um, but nothing like this week, like, you know, piqued my interest um, Tom Cruise-wise. So I actually didn't go with Tom Cruise. Um, I actually went with an actor in, um, in A Few Good Men who probably has about like four or five lines um, it's actually Cuba Gooding Jr. Oh, um, yes. Because he has like a real small part in this, doesn't he? He gets called as a witness. It's basically then... a cameo. Yeah, that's it. And um, Before his Jerry Maguire amazing show me the money yeah, sequence. Yes, yeah, so I guess this is, you know, as he is he's sort of coming up as an actor and a small part in this. So I went with him. Um, now, just to tell you, so oh. in this next movie, um, God. he... The part he played in this next in this movie that I'm gonna that we're gonna be doing next week um, is boy getting haircut. So um, I imagine um, he's gonna be very young in this film. Um, he's not gonna have a main part, and we might even struggle to spot this kid. Okay, so, boy getting haircut. Yeah, that's what he's described that as the most in this movie. tenuous link. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Um, the next thing to tell you about this movie is it's a 1988 movie. Um, so it's 1988. So it has gone older, and um, the genre is comedy slash romance. Um, so, another clue about this film is it uh, one of the actors we've mentioned actually already is James L. Jones. He's also in this movie. Um, this is a movie that's currently on Netflix, and um, I'm going to tell you the main star of the film. It's um, it stars Eddie Murphy um, in one of his probably his biggest <laughs> one of his biggest films. Is it coming um, to America? It's coming to America. Yes. Yeah, that's going to be the next movie. Um, so I did a bit of research. I made sure it was easily accessible. It's on Netflix. I mean, it might get taken off tomorrow, but it's currently on Netflix, so it, it can be watched. Um, it's a film I've seen, but we mentioned this last week, actually, not on the podcast, but after, about films that you, you've seen, but you haven't really seen. Do you know what I mean? So if someone said, have I seen it? I have seen this film. Have I watched it in the last like 15 years? No. Do I remember much about it? Not loads. So I'm looking forward to seeing it. And um, yeah, that'll be on next I don't movie. think I've seen it all the way through. So... I haven't not just not seen this. I yeah. think I have actually not, not seen, seen this. this. Oh, that's um, good. That'd I think I've, I've seen clips of it and I know the premise and and I've seen funny clips of it. I don't remember ever seeing it all the way through and I would never be tempted to go back and watch it. Even though I've heard like a lot of people love it, I've never been tempted to go back and watch it. So 
just like a, a few good men for you you never would have chosen it yeah. perfect choice i would have never chosen to go and watch this so amazing yeah. let's go do and it. it's obviously a big departure uh, we've gone from sort of courtroom drama to um to sort of wacky um uh, com- comedy about um you know uh, a fish out of, the classic fish out of water story so yeah, yeah we'll watch it we'll um, we'll chat about it we'll um, you know analyze it and um, yeah you know I'd, I'd say to everyone listening um, over this week check it out on Netflix like I said it's on there um, have a watch see if you can spot Cuba Gooding Jr um, email into the usual um, email address if you've got anything to say about it it's infinitefilmclub at gmail.com can't wait yeah it's going to be good well that was good um, enjoyed that Dan thanks for picking a good movie um, it's, like I say really really interesting well let's and, hope, hope you have as well yeah so. that's it we'll see like I say um, uh, we'll, like I say I've seen this film but have I really seen it you know no so um, you know let's uh, I'm looking forward to watching it all the way through for the first time and like George said everybody watch it at home and um, we'll talk about it next week perfect well thanks mate good. cheers George Brilliant. see you next week have a good week mate bye, bye.